1: Welcome to another edition of More Than a White Man's Game on the House of L Podcast Network. I'm your host, Maddie Lee, and it's a special episode because it is our first crossover episode with one of our fellow House of L Podcast Network hosts. Russ Dorsey is going to join me he has been so kind as to give even more of his time this week to this network because I wanted to talk to him about a conversation that he and I actually started in spring training. He and I, obviously, if you guys know anything about Russ and if you're on this House of El feed, you probably do. He's co-host of the Sports Adjacent podcast which is hilarious, with Jason Leisure, produced by Tony Gill. If you don't know what I'm talking about, you should definitely go and check it out. My bets are that everyone listening to this right now knows exactly what I'm talking about and how funny these guys are. But Russ and I also both cover the Cubs. We're around the same age, and we got to this point in our careers on completely different paths. So we started talking in spring training about how many different ways there are to get into this business and to succeed in this business and grow in this business. And I thought it would be fun to bring that conversation here and really expand on it and kind of finish it because, you know, we're just hanging out in the sun in Arizona shooting the shit, and why not actually dig into some of these concepts? Because I think it's something that both he and I are pretty passionate about. So, we'll have him on. We're also going to debut a segment that I'm workshopping the name a little bit. Right now, I'm going with extra innings. If it feels right, I'll stick with it. If it doesn't, I might change in a couple weeks. But I figured there's so much going on news-wise that I keep feeling like I have to address. And it won't be every week, but when these things come up, I want to have a space in order to talk about the bigger picture impact of these kind of newsworthy topics. And nothing that, you know, if you listen to it a couple weeks later isn't going to matter anymore, right? It's all things that tap into broader themes or things that we'll be living with for a while down the road, perhaps forever. So we're going to debut that segment here today. So without further ado, let's get in Russ Dorsey. Russ, thanks so much for joining me.
0: No, thank you for having me. I am honored to be on your podcast.
1: Thanks, especially for joining me when you have to wake up in like five hours. to. Yeah,
0: a dig. <laughs> no, it's um, it's one of those things like this, this trip, especially has taught me like, hey, like you're really a baseball writer now, <laughs> like being on the road and having to wake up and catch early flights and all that and, and kind of try to have life around all of that it's but no it's all good I'm happy to be here
1: yeah that life part and we know from sports adjacent that you are not yeah. a person
0: <laughs> yeah that's, I think that's what uh people are starting to learn about me like um I enjoy life uh or at least I I try to and uh but yeah I, I like to life is too short to, to not have fun and and enjoy it and enjoy the people that you're with. And so I try to live life that way. And, you know, I'm learning how to do that on the road in a uh, healthy and a way that doesn't get me in trouble. So we're still learning as we go, (laughs) but, but I'm here with you and I'm not in trouble and we're going to have an awesome conversation about a lot of stuff.
1: Yeah. Spending your Saturday night.
0: Just. Yeah. in in my hotel room, drinking sparkling water.
1: Look at you. All I'm
0: probably going to go get a workout in after this. So, yeah. Oh, wow. That's, All good.
1: that's way more responsible than me. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, I brought you here not just to talk about your life on the road, which. Yeah. I'm currently a little envious of because I've been at home for this road trip and I miss traveling, Um, which brings us to my last trip in Arizona. Mm -hmm. And I think you actually were the one who brought this up, that you have conversations all the time with young people who are trying to, young people, we're
0: both. (laughs) Right, we're both 20s. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. <laughs> younger, <funny>. younger. <laughs> Those youngins. <laughs> youngins. Yes. Younger people than us.
1: <laughs> people who are younger than us. So, really. College
0: kids. We'll say college kids.
1: College kids.
0: That's a good catch all.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who want to get into the business and talking about all the different routes that you can have. And like I said in the intro, you and me even when we go back to like our college choices, I think we can start there completely yeah. divergent paths and have ended up in Chicago covering the Cubs starting at full-time the same year.
0: Yeah, no, it's, uh, it's kind of crazy. Like you, you had the more distinguished route, like you're, you went to Medill for grad school, right? And there's a lot of prestige that goes with that. <laughs> um,
1: yeah, well, I also so went to I, Lewis and Clark College, which no one else has ever heard of. So we've got that in common for yeah,
0: us. Yeah, we got, <laughs> we went into like smaller undergrads. Like I went to Oral Roberts in Oklahoma, um, did the whole small, big fish, small pond thing. Um, that's not even a good analogy to use, but did that, and then kind of just came back to Chicago and and said, I'm not going to go the go to some small town and dug it out. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Which is exactly <laughs> what I do. You know I'm saying like I don't I don't I didn't think I needed to do that because it's one of those things where you always I always tell students like you have to and I think part of the reason I was like this is because I was an athlete for a long time. Mm-hmm. And so you have to have this this drive and belief and confidence in yourself that borderline's cockiness doesn't cross the line. But sometimes. like you have to yeah sometimes it does because like I think there there are times in growing in this business where you have no idea where it's going and you have people that don't believe in you don't believe in your talents don't see it the way you do mm-hmm. and you have to have i have to be my own cheerleader a lot of times it's like nah this is the best story you ever wrote mm-hmm. it could be trash but nobody else can know that right, right? i can't i can't walk in the room and be like eh, i don't know about the story but i'm going to submit it to you anyway um so it, i think it's having that belief in yourself for me was the reason i said all right i'm not going to this some small town and trying to make it as, uh, doing preps and then climb my way slowly up the ladder, even though I ended up doing that anyway, but just did it at home. <laughs> and so, uh, yeah, I, I think two, two different paths to kind of get to the same goal. And, uh, no, nah, I think, I think <laughs> we've, we've have a lot to offer in terms of do's and don'ts.
1: Right. Um, so take the, Take me to that moment. So you went to Oral Roberts. You mm-hmm. originally were going to walk on, right? Or Yeah,
0: like, so yeah. <laughs> the plan, one of the reasons I went to Oral Roberts was because really good baseball school. And uh, I was like, all right, well, if I'm going to go here, I'll try to walk on. And the first week I was on campus, I was playing basketball and tore my Achilles uh, the same year Kobe Bryant did. Rest in peace to Kobe. And so it was one of those things in my mind. I knew how sports worked. I'm like, all right, there's no shot that I can do this again. Because by the time I get healthy rehab, they'll have two new recruiting classes in, and it's going to be slim to none. It was probably going to be a a long shot anyway. And so I remember the night that I got back from the hospital and the doctor said I tore my Achilles. I'm like slowly I'm just met my roommate. I'm like slowly crying myself to sleep because I'm like, damn, my career is over. (laughs) And I'm just like, this is all I've known forever. Like I didn't have jobs. I didn't have my first like real job until I was in college because up until that time I'd been playing baseball during the summers and stuff. So I was just like, I don't have no clue what I want to do. I don't want to know what I want to do in life. I was a business major, hated it. Um, And so what ended up getting me into journalism was a dude that lived on my floor named David Sauer. Never, never forget. Um, Guys would always come to my room. I had the biggest TV and uh, super obnoxious and I'm, the dude from Chicago. So I'm talking about every sport and telling dudes that they're idiots because their team sucks. Cause this dude can't hit a free throw. And this dude is shooting it's 40%. For the field. You know what I'm saying? Like border, borderline cockiness, you know what I'm saying? But it was, it was fun. It was just fun debates with guys. And he walks in my room one day and he's like, you should write for the school newspaper. And I said, that's the worst idea I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> and he's like, nah, man, like, You have something that other people don't have. And I can teach you the writing. I can teach you AP style. I can't teach the knowledge that you have in your head about sports. That's pretty nice. It was nice, but I'm just like, nah, man. I am like, I don't even like writing in school. So why don't I want to write for some bum ass newspaper? I I was saying (laughs) that's what that was. I (laughs) I didn't, it ended up not being that, but in my mind, I'm just like, why don't I want to do that? And, uh, end up deciding. I'm like, all right, whatever. I, Clearly can't do what I wanted to do when I came to this damn school. So <laughs> I guess I could write, and instantly fell in love with it. And it was one of those rare times in your lives where you, you, your life, where you're like, okay, I'm doing exactly what I'm supposed to be doing. That's- and from there, everything kind of just grew. So
1: I'm realizing right now that I think our college choices, the way we went about our college choice was what set us on our different paths because Mm -hmm. I came in, same thing, grew up playing softball. Um, My end goal was not to get into journalism because I wanted to, you know, make money. Right. (laughs) Exactly. So, and my parents are doctors. I was getting into medicine. I also had an injury. It was actually right before my freshman year. I tore my UCL. Uh, I decided not to get Tommy John. You to get
0: Tommy John?
1: I eventually did. Um but right before my freshman year I didn't cuz I was like there's no way I I can rehab through it. Mm-hmm. Um so just cuz it wasn't it wasn't a it wasn't a full tear, it was a partial tear and so they're like, "Yeah, maybe we can just get the rest of your arms strong mm-hmm. enough and then it'll be fine." Spoiler alert, was not. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but, but I already was on this path where I was like I could probably play D2, but I'm gonna go D3 because I want to be the big fish in a small pond. Mm-hmm. Turns out I'm not as good as i thought about it. I was a small fish in a small pond. I mean, it, it, it didn't help that I was playing out of position because I was a catcher with a bum arm. So they moved me to second and don't let anyone tell you that the transition. Because I, I also played shortstop in high school because my high school had very few people with any actual softball experience on the softball yeah. team. Most people were learning for the first time um, when they joined the high school softball team, and we we're competing against these East Side teams where these girls are
0: huge and <laughs> D one scholarships.
1: Yeah, exactly. I've been playing since they were two months old. Right. Um. But my select team was pretty good, which is where I got that borderline cockiness. And so I decided to go to Sinclair College so I can play softball and realize partway through that I don't want to go to the sports medicine round. I don't want to take any more chemistry classes. And
0: right.
1: I had already been writing for the paper because that was a hobby that I had in high school and so picked that up and changed my or I guess finally declared my major but changed my class course schedule and set on that path and then I did I get a lot of questions about because I went I did go to grad school whether that's necessary the answer is absolutely not but I Loved my experience and for me, I felt like coming out of uh, my situation and the classes that I had taken, I didn't feel strong enough in like actual journalism principles Mm -hmm. because we didn't have any journalism classes. It was like our communications department was split into rhetoric and media and there wasn't the journalism in between. So... It worked out for me. I'm really glad that I did it. But like, I get laughed at all the time for having, for having a master's because not very many people in journalism do because you don't need
0: it. The funny part about that is since I've graduated from college, I've met all these people that went to Medill and all those people because I, there came a point where after I graduated, I'm like, all right, should I go get my master's? And the only reason I asked myself that was because I couldn't find a job and nobody would hire me. And I'm just like, all right, could I do this to pass the time? And the conclusion I came to was like, all right, I can't afford to to do that. So <laughs> I need to do something else. But had I done that, I would have been in the same cohort with you um, and a couple other friends of mine who were at Medill at that time. So that's so funny fair. that after all that, we ended up being friends anyway.
1: Yeah, we would have converged in a probably in a in a different timeline. We did. Mm-hmm. We're both classmates. Um, okay, so tell me about your what you do in the meantime before you got that first job.
0: Oh man, I did a lot of stuff. So, so I graduate in uh, May of twenty seventeen, and I get out into the real world. And you're just like, all right, look, I'm thinking, all right, I'm one of the best sports writers, my age. I have more experience than most have. I've had internships. I'm from Chicago. I can do this. Like who wants me? Right. Crickets. (laughs) And nobody, nobody, and nobody's out there. Nobody's checking for you. And you're just like, you know, it's cool. It's cool. I'm just going to, take some time off. Cause I've been, I've been working hard for the last four years in college. I, I'm going to just chill. I'm going to come back in July and I'm going to see what jobs are out there. Chill, come back into July, no jobs out there. And so I'm like, all right, I should probably do something to make some type of money. So I started working on my gym, right? <laughs> and uh, I'm scanning people in at the gym, but while I'm doing that, I'm literally writing stories on the desk. So Beep scan you in and I'm gonna go back to writing stories. And I'm like thinking of story ideas and um, I'm writing down interview questions. If I were going to go to the Sox game and, and interview somebody, what questions would I ask? I was doing that every day just because I knew I needed to be sharpening the tool because I knew I was going to get the opportunity. And when I got it, I wanted to be ready. And so there would be times where, I used to write stories and like, nobody's ever seen those stories, but you know, I worked, put heart and soul into them. Like I do right now, you know, because I wanted to be able to, to say that I've refined the skill, even though I wasn't working. And so then I did that, uh, I worked at a nonprofit for about eight months. Um, helping low income, uh, high school students, um, find scholarships for college, uh, in a college prep program, did that. And then I was working on the weekends at the trib uh, on the sports desk, which is a whole nother thing. So I was doing a lot and writing for different publications. Um, I was writing for baseball prospectus at that time and, uh, really just doing a lot because for me, It was always even when I was in school, I was writing for a lot of places outside of the school paper because I knew the question or the thing I would hear from prospective employers were was you don't have enough experience. Right. And so I used to write so much and do a lot of different things. So I didn't hear that. And so I had a lot more clips than most people. Twenty one years old when I graduated and still the thing I got to I heard a lot of time was you don't have enough experience. So I'm like, man, whatever. <laughs> um, and then it, it gets to a point where you have that self-doubt and you're like, you know, did I make the right decision? I think I did. And that's where you need that belief in yourself because there are going to be some dark days where you're like, why is nobody rocking with me? Mm-hmm. Like, I know I can do this. I see the work that's out here. And b- believe me, like it's not all Pulitzer Prize winning <laughs> stuff. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I'm reading the, the work that's being done in the city. <laughs> um, no shade to anybody out there <laughs> who I might have been talking about.
1: All the shade um, to everyone who was writing. In- no, I
0: got I to gotta tell you the story. All right. So, damn, I've never told this story before. So, oh, you're going to get the exclusive. That. So, I remember the day that this business almost broke me. So I just pitched a story at the Tribune um, and had not been hearing back. And it was bothering me because I'm just like, "Mm, I don't like the way this is going. Like this relationship shouldn't work this way. And so I'm driving home and I'm like, this isn't, this isn't right, man. And it's the day that Jay Cutler and his wife, their show first premiered. That's a uh, very Cavalier. Yeah. And the next day, real chi- publications in the city of Chicago that wrote about sports were writing about very Cavalier. And I wake up and I'm reading Twitter and my brother's in the living room. And I said, this is bullshit. <laughs> he was just like, "What?" I'm saying, I've I'm I've been pitching really great story idea after really great story idea, and been getting crickets and very fucking cavaleries on the cover of every publication in this damn city. Screw this! Like, I don't want to do this anymore. And I was really like, I was just talking stuff because my feelings was hurt. But I mean, you know. Honestly-
1: to say I haven't had those exact same moments. Yeah. You
0: know what I'm saying? And so it, it bothered me because I'm like, first of all, people hated Jay Cutler when he was in this town. Now he on TV cracking a little bit of jokes and now everybody love him again. Like what is wrong with the city of Chicago? And So that's what, what my mom was up. But it was, it was the point where I said, I don't know if I want to do this. Cause I feel like I can and people aren't allowing me to. Um, And, and, it, and I hate, I hated, I've always hated the whole, pay your dues, Mm -hmm. um, start on the bottom of the totem pole. Cause I'm like, no, if I'm good, I'm good. And so I think what ended up happening was I was just like, you know what? No, cause I'm not going to let very cavalier be the reason that I stopped doing this. (laughs) Like it would make for a funny story and it is, but like, I I can't let that happen. So So you just got to continue to push through that.
1: Yeah, how did you get from this is about to kick me out of the business to I'm not letting that happen.
0: So at that point in time, um I'd started making some headway and and started being, you know, started getting some work out there. And it felt like for the first time I was getting like traction on things where people are like, I don't know who this dude is, but he can write. And he can write about a lot of different things. It's not just one sport. And I think the thing that gave me the jumpstart, and I tell him this to this day, is uh, Spice Adams. And so it's September of 2018, and I'm at my house, and I'm on Instagram. And this is right when Spice really started to blow up. And I'm just like, how did a dude that was uh, a rotational defensive tackle, he wasn't even a star. He was a rotational defensive tackle for the Bears become one of the the funniest dudes on the internet. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, this is a really good story. That's not only Chicago, I could do it here, living here, but also, like, nationally, this would be really good. And so before the New York times and before ESPN and before all these places did stories about, Oh my God, Spice Adams is the funniest dude on the internet. Some snotty nose punk named Russ Dorsey, who was 22 years old says, you know what? I'm going to call his agent. I didn't know who his agent was, but I said, I'd be damned if I let this story slip by me. College rep. We think that's a great idea. We'll meet you here, blah, blah, blah. Had a great time. Wrote a really good story. And I pitched it to the Tribune. We love it. Let's do it. So I go out, get the story. Finish the story. By the time I finished the story, sports editor over there had taken a buyout, right? And he was my biggest advocate over there. So then what happens is, person that was the number two over there was not my biggest advocate so i'd be sending them messages sending them emails crickets i'm like hey man like i know you this you we, we weren't the point person on this but like i had this story it's great it's done he's like yeah i think we've done something on him before i think we're gonna pass i'm like first of all the story that you did on him Wasn't even it wasn't even close to the caliber that the story is. But I'm saying, you know what? Cool. And to get that response from him took maybe eight weeks. And so I said, nah, man, fuck that. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going out like that. Cause I've worked too hard. And I think I I and I told Spice, I said, watch what I do with the story. And so, but that at that point, I'm, I'm talking big stuff with no place to publish this story. <laughs> so now, and and then the, at, I'm freaking out because I'm like, now I'm this kid that, you know, up his time. Yeah, yeah. And I said, look, I could do this, and I'm gonna do this, and I'm gonna and and they had no place to publish this joint, right? Story sits. October goes by. November goes by and I'm just like, wow, I got this great story and nowhere to publish it. And I just said, nah, I I because I didn't want to just write it some small place where it would be forgotten. I said, I need a brand behind this. So I'd known people who had written for Forbes before and got in contact with their people, told them by myself. I said, listen, y'all. I just need a place. I said, I'm going to put up numbers. Watch what I do. I just need a place to publish. They said, we love it. Let's go. January 2nd, 2019, story drops and does. Oh, because sidebar. I told the, the number two at the, the tribe. I said, look. This guy has about 1.7 million Followers on all his socials at at the time, he's well over like three million now. I said, if we get one percent of that, that's a lot more than your average story is going to do on on your website today. Right? He was like, "Nah, we good." I said, "All right, bet, 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 (laughs) bet. Watch this. Watch what I'm gonna do, sir. I just i in January second comes. I publish it on Forbes like 11 a.m. Just put the story out. Wash my hands of it." It's out. Put my phone down. Go because make like a turkey.
1: Is the best and worst feeling at mm-hmm. the time.
0: Because I don't know what it's going to do at that point. Like, I just, who knows. And go make my little turkey sandwich. Come back. Zzz, zzz, zzz. Phone's blowing up. Spicy is it. Hits me and be like, dude. This this is how you you start a new year, sharing all this stuff. It gets shared that first day. It did thirty thousand reads, right? I'm just I'm 22 years old right now. Right. Did all of this on my own. It was the most the, the 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 you talk about delayed gratification. Like it felt so good to have that love for people and have people be reading my work, but the feeling to know that there were a lot of barriers to get one story out where I could have just said, fuck it. I'm never going to run this story. Right. And to just say, no, I believe in myself and I believe what I can do and to have followed through with that and have that be, you know, the result where at this point I think it's done Almost sixty thousand reads to this point, and that was almost three years ago. um It was a really good feeling, and it was at that point I'm like, "All right, if any doubt I had about me being in this business is gone because I know what I can do by myself." So, if some whoever gives me the sh- the, sh- the real shot, you're gonna get a hundred and sixty percent of me because this is what I'm doing <laughs> with no push. Like, imagine if somebody wants to give real me bad. A push, you know, what I'm so, you know, what I'm saying so. That's That was kind of like the moment for me where I'm just like, okay, I I know I can do it in this business.
1: And not to be petty, but.
0: Super petty. No, 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 no. We going to be petty. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that's a, especially as like a former athlete, I feel like it has to be ingrained in you that like when you can one up someone, like someone who, for example, passed you on the draft or mm-hmm. so, something like that. Like, that's the, the
0: Draymond Green where you can name everybody that got drafted before you. Yes
1: took that personally
0: have you have to and I think for me um I look at it now as being this the mature 26 year old that I am like look (laughs) so mature so mature um that person who was in charge over there listen things have not been great at that publication since that time and that's when a lot of that had first been going on so people are concerned about Stuff. Other stuff other than some snotty nose punk named Russ Dorsey. But I felt, you know, there's a, a way that you treat people in that, you know, where it's like, at least holler at me about it. Like it was very brisk, very cold, very, you know, impersonal. uh And so for me, I'm just like, yeah, I, I'm definitely going to show y'all now. Um, and so all those years later, working at the opposing paper
1: that turned is, out really well, but
0: did it turn out? Rival. Well, maybe a little bit. It's a nice byproduct. We'll say that. <laughs> but, um, yeah, cause I think it, what it ended up being Maddie was just like, you are not going to be the reason that I don't succeed. Yeah. You being that person, you being other publications to telling me you don't have the experience that we were looking for, any of that. You're not going to be the person that tells me what I can't do in this business. I determine that, you know? Yeah. And so you have to have that, that little bit of edge to you where it's like, no, nah, I don't care what anybody says. I know what I can do. And I'm, and by doing that, I have to continue to push myself forward, regardless of what anybody else says I can or can't do.
1: Yeah. I I mean, I've definitely had, I think everyone in this business has a similar story, maybe not with the like perfect full circle, (laughs) (laughs) but for me, I was very impatient coming out of college. And it's one of those weird things where I'm sure you did the same thing when you're doing internships, you're at the top of the world, right? You're Mm -hmm. in, you're in these, these massive writing for these big publications that would never hire you for an entry level position at the same time, but are throwing you on these stories because they can. Um, And, you know, obviously feel so thankful that I was in a position to a go to a school that set me up with one of those first um, internships and then b like internships are just not feasible financially for a lot of people, which that's a whole another story yeah. about the barriers to even getting into this industry in the first place. But then my move was I'm gonna go to a town in Kentucky that I have never heard of before in my life. And I'm gonna cover high school sports and hone my craft. And my the way, way that my cockiness came in was I don't care if I'm in the middle of Kentucky. I write enough I write well enough that someone's gonna notice me and that I can take these clips and show them to someone in the bigger publication down the line and they're gonna be like, Yep, we need some of that. So I bopped around a lot uh in those early years. I like, I definitely now like shake my head a little at how impatient I was and because I was like yeah of course I should be covering pro sports right now yeah <laughs> like, like let me go do that um but I think my equivalent actually happened after I already was covering um was covering the thunder and I heard from one of my one of my coworkers, like just offhandedly and it was a hundred percent a compliment from him uh that during my interview process one of my former editors had said I don't think she's ready and I took that and that was my like every story that I wrote for like the next I, I guess you know even still now <laughs> once in a while but especially those first couple months whenever I hit a big story I was like oh who's not ready for to write mm-hmm.
0: it's your little chip on your <laughs> shoulder. Yeah. I'm telling you, you need a little bit of petty sometimes to push you.
1: And like on a daily basis too, because there are so many times when like you have you have a bad day of like you someone you're interviewing snaps back at you which happens all the time right mm-hmm. and you can't just be like oh i don't i don't ask good questions like mm-hmm. i'm so bad at this like you can't go into that hole you have to be like that was a damn good question what's wrong with them
0: mm-hmm. come back with a follow-up so right. well i know you feel that way but this is why i asked because x y and z yeah it's we, and you and i deal with it all the time like <laughs> a dude over five with four strikeouts and they don't want to it's like you. Yeah, I can't not do my job because somebody feel is in a bad mood. Like, and, I'm mad that I'm on deadline right now, but got to do it.
1: Got to, yeah. And Zoom throws a whole nother.
0: for sure aspect Wrench into of that, that mm-hmm.
1: um, where you can't you can't pull on the tactics that you normally would in person, right? Although you know, I got to cover the other Russ who was king of shutting down reporters, but. I mean, I legitimately think that covering Russell Westbrook made me a better interviewer. Yeah. Because sometimes he was going to shut you down no matter what. But you had to think about how you're going to ask a question. You Mm -hmm. can't come in and ask a yes or no question because if he doesn't like it, A, he might just say next question, so that doesn't help. But Or he'll just say yes or no. And then you sit there looking stupid, like, well, why did I phrase it like that?
0: <laughs> yeah, I, I think um, that's something that you learn, like you learned how to do that early. So now when David Ross doesn't want to answer your question, you can come back and rephrase and it doesn't take you when you're driving home where he's like, damn it, I should have <laughs> asked him this this one." because that happens a lot early on, you know, but you can do it in the moment where as he's answering your question one way you were like, all right, well, let me, let me rephrase. And then boom, then you, now you have a better answer. Um, but now that that all comes with like, you had been doing it. That comes from working in Kentucky and working at all these places. And, uh, I think for me, like, I know I talked about, Oh, I'm, you gotta, had a borderline, but listen, please believe everybody. Like I had to work to get like here. Like I covered, uh, softball I covered preps you you've never been humbled until you have to write about preps in the fall moving towards the winter in Chicago riding in your car with your laptop dying and have to find a Walmart parking lot or a McDonald's where you can bum Uh, the wi-fi and make deadline
1: yeah no absolutely preps is the hardest job out there for
0: sure but I I think I, I think Every young reporter should do it.
1: Mm-hmm. And you don't know writing on deadline until you are writing on deadline in the stands because you went into triple overtime, and the print paper needs this now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you don't have Wi-Fi, and you have to figure something out. And mm-hmm. you and you didn't have a seat all game because you had to walk the sidelines because the press box has one seat. So. Good luck typing during the game while you're also taking your own stats.
0: No, it's, it's that. It's interviewing people that you have never met before. I don't know what you did the last game. So now during the game, I'm looking trying to re-figure out what you did last week. So I have uh, informed questions. Uh, I think for me, it's coming from the South Burbs driving almost damn near to Wisconsin to cover football to be in the press box writing on deadline to have the dude say, yeah, we're closing the press box and you need to leave. And so I have to ride in my car in a neighborhood I've never been before. Whereas a black person. You kind of aware of those things. So it's all these things that are play, and I'm trying to meet my deadline. So it's just a lot, but I, it builds character. And I think it puts you in a position where there's very few situations that happen that can shake me. Cause I've, been 10 minutes from deadline with no Wi Fi, and yeah. had to turn it into an had been 10 minutes or less away from deadline with my laptop on 5% and no outlet in sight.
1: So this walk off with, when you're warm inside a press box with stats handed to you and advanced stats on your computer.
0: Cake. An Otter. <laughs> you know, oh. Otter didn't even a thing back then. You know what I'm saying? And Oh, I got 30 minutes to deadline and I have to use quotes from earlier today or from last week uh, to make my deadline and then, oh, I have to write for web. (laughs) There's nothing that gets me rattled because if you can cover preps, man, you can cover anything. Yeah.
1: True that. It's kind of funny that our current jobs now, you're in the newspaper industry when that was how I came up through the business. And I'm focused on digital when you were the mlb.com
0: mm-hmm.
1: order.
0: So, yeah it's uh <laughs> it is weird i think you talk about petty so our 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 paths have damn near almost crossed so many times like so the internship that you ended up getting at mlb.com i was a finalist that year and didn't get it which <laughs> is funny cuz i ended up working there like uh 18 months later
1: right they hired you for real and they didn't hire me for real so
0: it happens but you 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 had the little bit of boost though because I think at that time I'm just like oh my gosh I can't get they didn't want me I I was you know it's being a finalist it's like the participation trophy like don't tell me how just tell me I didn't get it don't tell me oh we only had 32 spots and you were number 34 of the 30 what the hell so but
1: everyone that Russ you were actually like mm 107
0: 155 out of 30 (laughs) yeah no it's I I, it would they would have helped if I thought it was that way but I've always thought that I was that one one away from getting the internship but now I think writing uh for digital and then going into print I think the benefit was I think because a lot of people say oh my gosh you have deadline now you've never had a deadline I'd written for newspapers before, so that wasn't a big deal. I think the biggest advantage that I had was I thought differently and creatively working in digital where I bring that every day to print, you know, and when they hired me at the Sun-Times, I was like, look, man, I'm I'm not going to write gamers. That's not what I do. Like, I feel that to compete in this day and age, and do the job well you have to write differently and i always felt like my advantage that i always had over anybody else is my ability to be creative with the same information right we all watch the game but i'm going to think about it differently than you do and like you guys thinking on you guys at like nbc sports chicago like you guys have 15 people covering the team right <laughs> i'm being i'm being facetious but it's like you guys have Three but people, three, on the team, so three three you can look at 15 it.
1: Fifteen when that when that you know? In- and so
0: you guys can cover things differently. Where you take something, Gordon takes something, Tim takes something. Sahadam and Pat at the athletic can split off things. And so I feel that all right. I have me and twelve hundred words in the paper, so I can give you what I feel is the most important things about the Chicago Cubs that day in twelve hundred words, and that's what you're going to get in the paper every day.
1: I think where I was very fortunate in uh, coming up was the mentors that I had and the people that I got to work with who were already on that train of I don't I don't care what uh, like what happened in the game I want you to tell me why I should care right um I re- remember so vividly I had one editor that I worked with in San Francisco. San Francisco Chronicle was my first internship. And she told me, I turned in this story that I was so proud of. Like, right, I'd been working for days on it, all these different interviews. I felt good. She handed it back to me, red pen everywhere, right? And she said, okay, so you told me what this guy did but I want to know who he is. And you didn't tell me that. And like, I've carried that. If if we're talking about advice, that's the one biggest piece of advice that I've gotten in my career that I think has made more of a difference than anything. That like, yeah, we're writing about sports, but more than that, we're writing about people. And if you can tell someone who their favorite athletes are, you're doing something that not everyone can do, right? Anyone can watch this game on the TV and write about, oh, so-and-so had this many home runs and this, that, and mm-hmm. the other. There's, you know, not everyone can can dive into what makes a person tick.
0: Right. I think um, we were talking about it on the podcast a couple of weeks ago. It was like what each of our, me, Tony, Jason, what's our, sports media superpower because I do think there's something that each of us has that we do really well. Like you have tons of skills, but there's one thing or two things that make you unique and like really stand out. And I think everybody has that. And I think for young reporters, you should like find what that skill is. And once you do like really capitalize off that um, because I, I think that, one, it set, helps set you apart. But two, once you understand how to use your skills, you're going to get stronger in so many different areas because you're like, all right, I can build relationships with people. I know how to talk to people. I can ask really good questions. I I know how to write really well. I write features well. I do. This. And so, once you figure that out, it makes everything else easier because you're working to your strengths, right? And then you're—it's cliche, but you're working smarter, not harder. And so. Once you, I think that's one of those different things. And for young report, it's like finding your voice and all this other stuff. Like those things are really important, but it's like, once you find what your skill in is in this business and you really start to learn how to use your skills to your advantage, like the world is yours. Like there's so many different avenues. Um, I think that's the benefit that kids, kids, kids coming behind us um, have is, there's so many different routes. So I tell students all the time, like, look, I took a lot of risk getting to where I am right now. It worked out and you might see them like, Oh, Russ, it worked for you. (laughs) It could have, it could have crashed and burned. Like it could have not worked out. And so the path that I took is my path and you have to take yours. And there are things that you have even coming two, three, four years behind me that I didn't have. Right. Um, there are people like they podcasts,
1: you podcasts, like podcasts. not a thing when we were in the no.
0: industry like what whatever like what you these kids doing on tiktok informing okay. people about news and everything like I, I i don't know about you but i haven't downloaded tiktok because i, I feel like it's disrespectful to vine and i used to love vine <laughs> <laughs> oh
1: no you're dating like i just, you just made me feel old i downloaded tiktok to do one story on tiktok because all these NBA players are like three years younger than me. And so I, I was—I had a good story. I was like, but I have to figure out this medium. I made one TikTok. That is hard. People mm-hmm. make this look fun and easy. It is hard to make a TikTok that people care about.
0: They got ring lights and editing software, and I'm just like, uh, on Vine we used to just have six seconds and try to be funny. Y'all got multimedia studios and Photoshop and InDesign and what? You're Premiere together from different right. rooms, like. And you getting paid? Like you got How you got a sponsor at 13 years old? What? <laughs> Why is Coca Cola giving you money? Like what is this? So. Yeah, man. Like these kids have all these different avenues where you don't have to go the traditional path. And I, to to be honest, I think it's probably because I didn't. I'm super against the traditional path. Like, go and if maybe you don't go to college right away. Yeah. And I know people who have started writing and didn't major in journalism. I tell people do that. Don't major in journalism, in bro. A
1: completely different career, and then yeah. I had people in my who I graduated with in grad school who had decided before to do, be a dentist or, you know, go into the military or whatever it may be. There are so many people who then come back to the industry or start their way in the industry after pursuing a completely different career. And you have all those experiences that you can pull from that no we're just talking about find your find your skill set and find like that makes you unique that you have worked in a different industry and you can pull from that and you have this innate knowledge of that industry that no one around you does
0: yeah i think um like i worked at a nonprofit before i got here and i think working with students helped me really Like you can't talk to kids like you talk to adults, right? Like kids are going, to they're different. They haven't experienced things that you've experienced. So it's like, why? Why we got to do this? That don't make no sense. And so it's just like, all right, how do I break things down for a 17 year old, right? That thinks they're on the top of the world, but I can't tell them, you don't know shit about the world yet. So how do I break this down to them? And those different things, those skills that I learned in something I said, I'm not even close to doing what I want to do, but it helped me be a better interviewer because there's the ways that I had to think to break something down to a 17 year old. I always think now when I'm writing, all right, I don't want my demo of people that read my stories to be dudes between the age of 18 and 65, right? I want everybody to be able to understand what I'm writing. Um, Whether you're a sports junkie or you turn on a game once a week, like I want people to be able to understand what's going on. And so having that knowledge of how to break things, break things down or even thinking about, all right, does this make sense if you've never watched baseball before? Um, Sometimes you can avoid that. Sometimes you can't, but for the most part, I think I think about that all the time. Like, all right, do people understand what I'm saying? Because if you jargon people to death and it's a sport like baseball, like, you sure, you can get by, but I want to open up my readership to everybody. Mm-hmm. Right. I think that's something that's helped me so far is just like, I want to write in a way where maybe you don't read other people who write about baseball. Maybe you just read me because you understand me that's what I want. You know, I want the people who are subscribed to the athletic and the Tribune and the Sun-Times and NBC Sports, Chicago and and all those places. But I want people who are just like, nah, I'm just gonna read the Sun-Times because I rock with Russ and I like what he reads and I understand them. Like that's, that's something I think has helped me, but I learned those skills doing something outside of the business.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think if there's one thing to take away from this conversation, it's that There are so many different routes to get
0: unlimited
1: to get to the exact same city and team, Mm -hmm. and don't don't let someone else. There's a difference between being coachable and being able to learn, and letting someone else tell you how to do things. Mm -hmm. Like at some point, especially in an industry that can be as rough around the edges as media and sports media. Like at some point you have to just be like, no, I'm going to do it this way because Mm -hmm. I think that this is right. And I'm going to stick to my guns. And if you tell me something that I think can help me and that can help, I guess, mold my, my writing style or mold, whatever it may be, my path, um, my next step, like, yes, listen, listen, but don't try to follow, like you just said, don't try to follow someone else's path. Like, you're, I can't report like you do, Russ. Mm-hmm. Like, that's not going to work for me. I'm, I'm not going to get anywhere doing that. And, and vice versa. We all have our own way of asking questions, of writing, of digging into a topic. And that's, that's the cool thing about sports media, right you don't want a million stories that sound exactly the same and I think right. there's so much sometimes when especially with the way that the digital landscape is right now, just in general, you end up getting people chasing after after likes mm-hmm. and then you know chasing after oh well everyone else wrote, this angle we should have that too i should have that too oh i should have done it that way but it's so much more interesting if we all come into this situation and have different takes on it and a reader can go out and and find their own you know navigate all that instead of just reading the same story over and over again
0: yeah it's um Just different is different is good. And I think one of the things that I thought about getting into baseball was that I can't try to be Ken Rosenthal and I can't try to be Jeff Passan and I can't try to be Gordon Wittenmeyer and I can't try to be Sahada Sharma um, and I can't try to be Jordan Bastion. I can't try to be Scott Merkin um, because that's not me. That's not Russ Dorsey. And I think what's helped make me successful to this point. Sure. I have skills and stuff, but I honestly believe what's gotten me the most success so far in my career is being Russ Dorsey, right? I, I'm not somebody else. And I had to be me. And I, if I was going to fail, I was going to fail as Russ Dorsey. I wasn't going to fail Russ Dorsey pretending to be somebody else. And uh, I think that's, I do think that's the biggest thing that I want to give to to students is just like, you have to be unapologetically you at all times. And if you can do that while doing what you love to do, it's like, it, it, it's going to be so much easier. And I think I try to take that into every day. It's like, all right, I'm going to be unapologetically Russ Dorsey and i I think most people are going to like it. Nah, there's going to be a lot of people that don't like it, as I figured out over the last 12 months. Um, and that's okay. Like, I'm not out here. Sure, you want people to to like you and understand you, but I understand that there's people that don't understand me. There's a lot of people that don't want to understand me, and that's cool. Uh, but I have to keep doing my thing as as me. So, yeah. And it's maybe being- the most
1: uh, famous person in and around Wrigley.
0: I mean I mean that's a nice byproduct I'll say that you know i can i walking
1: everywhere walking
0: down the street with me in Wrigleyville is not necessarily the easiest task maddie has seen it's
1: a humbling humbling <laughs> experience
0: <laughs> listen man i i like to i appreciate all the fans and um uh, I like to say hello to people it's kind of my it's my personality always has been and uh I'm not gonna tell a a a little kid or somebody or whoever who comes to Wrigley that sees me walking to do get coffee. It's not even something important. Like I'm going to get coffee anytime you see me out, guys. So if you see me, that's I'm either going to or coming from Dunkin' Donuts <laughs> with coffee. And if and, you see
1: me, you can say hi too. It's definitely yeah, yeah. no one, it's, it's, no one hey, Under
0: that mask is Maddie. <laughs> Maddie or Jordan Bastion. (laughs) And so, yeah, I like, who am I to tell somebody, nah, you can't get this photo? Like, what? I'm just Russ at the end of the day.
1: That's a good way to end this. Unless, do you have anything else to add before we move to extra innings?
0: So I think everybody needs a mentor um, in this business and somebody that you can lean on for advice, somebody who's gone through things that you've never gone through a person who can be a sounding board for you. And I've been blessed enough to have a ton of those people. So when I was going through all these different things on my journey, where I didn't feel like people were giving me the opportunities, um, I didn't feel like people believed in me. I had these people behind the scenes, that had no business talking to Russ Dorsey <laughs> people who are like giants to me and are like, no, I think you're great. And I think you're a star and I think blah, blah, blah. And I'm, it's like, I appreciate that. I don't feel like a star because nobody wants to return my phone calls or emails, but I appreciate you. And thank you for believing in me. And like, for me, like people like Nick Friedel and I would love Nick to death. And Nick would just like, listen to me vent about they're not running my story. And don't nobody want me to succeed. And, and this, and then Nick and his famous baritone. Voice, well, what the, you, you're, you, listen, you need to breathe. You're fine. You're like 22 years old. And, and Nick would like calm me down. And uh, he was like, you don't have to worry about anything. You're going to look up. And everybody's going to be knocking down your door to come and get you. And and I'm just like okay, <laughs> you know, but yeah. like having the, uh Nick and having like Vinny Goodwill and like all these different people who like believed in my talent before it ever I guess came to fruition in a way that I see it now. Yeah. You know, cuz it's easy to like Say I know Russ Dorsey now, right? Back then, when nobody didn't know who Russ Dorsey was, but people are saying, "Nope, I believe in you, and I think you're going to do really great things, and I'm going to be here for you if you need something." Um, was really helpful, and like they, it's not somebody who has to be like it doesn't have to be an a old person. Um,
1: one of my, I mean. It sounds like you're about to give an example, but one of my people in that category for me is Connor Letourneau, who is probably three years older than me, something like that. But when I was interning at the San Francisco Chronicle, he was covering college sports. And so he it was it was nice to have someone who had just been through some of those same things but like you said, believed in me, uh, picked me up when I thought I was a bad writer, <laughs> mm-hmm. and and also was ready and willing to critique my work and give me constructive criticism. Uh, I've bounced off so many big decisions off of him over the years, and there's plenty of other coworkers that I could name, but he's the, he's the one who's not not like some older wise right. person but has been such a huge influence in my career
0: you know um like malika andrews was that for me oh my gosh right malika and i uh i think oh, we're the,
1: the same age as you. she's a young, you're younger yeah. than me, i
0: think yeah yeah um and we were now you talk about it that's what i think when i when people say superstar i think of her because she got on a rocket ship and was out of here bro <laughs> we were at the <laughs> tribune at the same time she came on was covering a little bit of everything but focusing on basketball and i'm like yeah gee, is is she is she about to be out of here um next thing you know she's at espn and boom now she's everything espn and she is killing it over there like you don't turn on your tv watching basketball on espn you don't see malika Right. but
1: and she- Some people will only know her from those TV spots and like she was doing draft coverage and stuff. She is such a good writer. Like if you want anyone, not even college people, literally anyone want to model both writing and reporting off of, she's a great person because she just, there are like little nuggets in her story where all the time I'm like, how how did she know what they were eating in this dinner? Like that, right. like little things like that, that like might not jump off of a page, but you feel the difference with the the picture she's painting and the richness of, of the world that she's creating.
0: It was uh, maybe a year after she had left to go to ESPN and I was like, still small time in it. And we like, Cool, we're super cool, but like I i was like almost nervous to reach out to her because I'm just like and we, we worked at the same place, right? It was cool. We both at NABJ, like known her for a minute. And I was just like, ah, should I text her? I don't know, man. Um, because in my mind I'm just like, I'm some small little person, nobody, and like she is like the one of the bright young stars of of sports media. And uh
1: people were talking about her like that when she was an intern. An
0: intern at the New York Times, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, like the so next that's part. I hold, I hold her coffee. in such high regard, and I'm gonna make your podcast like four hours long. Um, but I think this is really important for younger people who breaking into here, like reached out to her, built up the gall, the the nerve to reach out, and she was like, No, let's go get coffee, come meet me. And we're talking, and in the middle, uh, a GM calls her, right? And she's talking to, I'm just like, nah, G. Like, I'm trying to be like Malika when I grow up. (laughs) And like, just having this conversation, and she getting info, she not even asking. I'm like, bro, what is going on here? Um, She is killing it. And And so what ended up happening, like, I didn't ask her how you build swords. I just said, who do I need to know to do this job really well, right? And she was just like, "Do you know this person? All right, I'm texting them right now." Wow. He said he's going to go to lunch with you next week. Do you know this person? All right, he's going to text you. Do you know this person? She's going to text, you know what I'm saying? And she did that like didn't have to. Yeah. She had already gone on to be superstar Malika but she said, no, like, I want to help you grow. Cause I believe in you and what you do. Um, and we were friends, but like that's somebody that I like looked up to same damn age, but it's like, so nice. that's, I look like, you need people like that. People who are advocates for you, right? You need people who are going to push your best foot forward. And while, it is nerve wracking because you, you see a lot of these people doing different things and you, they're amazing for, and they are like Nick is one of the best basketball writers and reporters in the world. Vinny's like that. Malika is Malika, like all these people, but at the same time, like they want me to do well. Right. And so for me, that's what I've started to try to do from an early age. It's like, all right, if, if I have to talk to 10 college classes, to help one person, uh, try to navigate this weird ass business. Like I want to do that. Um, <laughs> I think the hard part is my email has gotten really crazy. Cause I went from having no new emails each day to a uh, conjures of emails each day. And a lot of them are, Hey Russ, I read your paper. I'm a high school student at here. I'm a college student there. And it's like, what do you, and so for me, I'm, i I want to help all those kids. The hard part is there's not enough time that they always to get back to everybody. So I'm learning that part, but I want to do for people what those guys did for me. And so that's why I think mentorship is so important.
1: Yeah. Well, and you, you mentioned NABJ. Organizations like that are fantastic places to find mentors. So find your, like for me, it was awesome. AWSM. Association for Women's Sports Media, um, and AAJA. And there's a million other acronyms that all are focused on different groups in media or in sports media and are fantastic. For sure. All right. For the first time ever, we're going to do this extra inning segment here. Like I said at the beginning. Well, we'll see how the name sticks. But (laughs) Russ has so kindly agreed to stay on for this because we're recording right now, Saturday night, fresh off the top of the head. We just covered a benches clearing. I'm not even going to call it a brawl.
0: Kerfuffle is the word i use on twitter earlier. <laughs> Kerfuffle. That's
1: perfect. I hope that made it into your copy too.
0: It didn't. I I punked out at the end. Man, they probably don't want it.
1: Ooh.
0: Listen, I'm sorry. I know. I know I should I I should have trusted myself. I should have trusted it.
1: You should have. You should have come with it. I'm not even going to read the sometimes tomorrow because of it. I'm you know so what?
0: That's fine. I deserve that.
1: <laughs> Anyways, so you're actually in Cincinnati.
0: Do you yeah, want to miss the that is day? my. Uh, that's my. This is the my whole my bedroom. My hotel room is my background right now. Yes, I'm in Cincinnati currently.
1: It's gorgeous. Well, let me tell you, watching this kerfuffle unfold on the broadcast was so confusing. So, mm-hmm. I can give anyone who's listening now has probably read about it, but just so that we get the basics down and feel free to butt in if I miss anything because, like I said, weird watching on the broadcast. Amir Garrett, in the eighth inning, strikes out Anthony Rizzo. He's hyped and Mm -hmm. is pounding his chest and yelling towards Rizzo. And eventually, uh, Javi Baez starts yelling back. Mm Mm-hmm. And then leaps the fence <laughs> and it starts the whole kerfuffle there.
0: <laughs> yeah. Um, no, that's basically the gist. Uh, and, and for people out there that don't know Amir Garrett, I'm a, I'm a big Amir Garrett fan. And I think, you know, doing a lot of these things, you're just like, all right, whose heart is in the right place, right? And I always feel like his is. And I, I think he's a good dude. Um uh, me and my, my boy Jake Mintz uh, from Sespitus Family Barbecue on Twitter were texting about this earlier. And I said, he's like, I think Javi, people were upset with Javi. Like, as things are unfolding, one of the bad parts of Twitter is I'm trying to, like, watch what's going on, like, with my eyes while people are scrolling on Twitter and making opinions and judgments on things. It's like, dude, I haven't even got a chance to finish typing yet and watching what's going on. And I said... I told Jake, I'm like, Javi was that friend at the bar, right? If it's like, let's say me and you are out at the bar and somebody curses you out,
1: mm-hmm.
0: I'm going to feel the way about it, right? right? And so I, you'd want me as your, if you've come to my defense for things and as a friend, like you come to somebody's defense and Javi in that situation, it wasn't where he's just like, oh, how are you going to show us up like that? Like this wasn't a, Ronald Acuna Jr. bat flip or Fernando Tatis Jr. bat flip or even like a strut you know, it's big now, right? It wasn't any of that. It was strike three, now I'm going to look at you dead in the eye and curse you out in front of 17,000. Right. You know? Um, So swearing swearing at Anthony Rizzo and it was like, it's not about the strikeout anymore. And so for people look at it as, oh, you should be able to do whatever you want. I agree. I'm all for it. Bat flip, toss the bat a million miles in the air. If you want to strike somebody out and, and grunt as hard as you can and pound your glove, I'm cool with that too. But when you get into the, once you look lock eyes with me, like we, out, we're, we got a crush on each other <laughs> and then you go curse me out, now we got an issue. Right, because now it is about me. Mm-hmm. Like It's always the whole, oh, it's not even about you. I'm celebrating with my team. I'm excited for whatever. Yeah, that, that's usually how it is. But once you this lock out. This was not out, with your team. This was, this was not with your team. This was at me directly. And so then Rizzo and, and Amir Garrett have had this history for a couple of years now. Um, and, and Amir's one of those dudes, he's just wired where he's on all the time. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. But I do think this crossed the line. Um, what I think what Amir what he's usually excited about things, I don't think that crosses the line. But I think this time, because when you strike somebody out, look at them and swear at them, now you have the issue. That's when everybody else gets involved. So yeah, I don't think the two things are the same. I don't think I think they're apples and oranges. And and I think you have to put them in those boxes. And I think you know, asking Javi after the game, like, you know this, and like me, us covering the team, like Javi's not somebody that usually gets like he's. I even asked him, like, you're usually in the middle breaking stuff up, like when Wilson got hit in the head and Wilson was upset. Javi was in the middle, like, yo, relax, dude, we got him, all that. But Javi was the, he looked out. I think he he gave some uh expletives, right, some gestures. And hopped over the rail immediately. Like so, as it's going on, I'm watching Javi the whole time because you can hear him in the press box. So I'm like, all right, here we go. Because I'm watching Amir Garrett, and I'm just like, all right, this was a little. This is a little bit more than Amir usually does. And so he turns around and he's he's walking towards first base, and as he comes back, Javi's now barking at him from the dugout. Then he jumps the rail, and when you when you see somebody jump the rail, like it's on. For, it's it for everybody out there. It's not easy to do that. <laughs> That's a concerted effort to like. All right, I'm done playing with you. Now I'm walking out here.
1: <laughs> this and is so not you, opening the door. And no,
0: out.
1: this is an athletic feat.
0: Yes, and for the most athletic guy on the field, Javi, it was easy with ease. And so then you have KB coming out and I'm like uh oh y'all done got not got here. that's how you know it's on and then the funniest of all was wilson Contreras, who didn't play because he had a, a, what they're calling a right th- right thigh soreness uh it's really his hamstring uh but <laughs> here comes wilson trying to get in there I'm like wilson if you don't sit your ass down <laughs> you're going to get hurt again um so yeah it was just baseball is really funny um
1: the reason that I wanted to bring this up because obviously if you're listening to this by now you know what happened although not with the incredible detail that Russ just went into <laughs> none of that was on the broadcast I'm so no. I've gotten like the real play-by-play the now The Russ
0: commentary
1: <laughs> so good um, but we keep getting into this argument about unwritten rules and w- whether you're allowed to show emotion mm-hmm. and I I don't want these things to get lumped together. It's a very clear line, and I'm very much on, like, we we both grew up playing the game. I yeah. think as kids, those unwritten rules are definitely a little more wishy-washy, right? But you learn yeah. as you're a fan when they're coming up, and we say time and time again, these are the things that get young people excited when you can actually show emotion when you're going to watch this highlight of Wilson Contreras throwing his bat a thousand feet in the air. I think where the line is, and it's not a blurry line. I think where mm-hmm. the line is, is something that Javi said tonight, where he said, do whatever you want, but do it to your teammates, right? Don't do it at us
0: mm-hmm. do it
1: to your teammates. That's where
0: yeah. I- and now I'm just like, I'm like, look, if you yell and scream and you're excited, I could be pissed off because I struck out. But at the end of the day, you got me. Like that's your right. But if you strike me out, then you look at me and call me a bitch ass motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> like, how, like you can't expect somebody not to right. be upset. Right. You know. Whereas. Hitting
1: a home run and running around the bases with an eye covered is hilarious.
0: Hilarious, but he did it at at, his dugout.
1: At his dugout, and both those guys took it very well. And we're Mm -hmm. like, this is this fun thing that we're both enjoying. You know, when each of us do it, obviously, about not out there. Like, yes, he closed his
0: eyes. Yes, (laughs) right.
1: (laughs) But he said, I mean, he talked. He's talked plenty about. Yeah, that's what we should do. But I don't want people. I don't want people in the, you know, traditional camp to then be like, "Oh, so where do we draw the line?" Right here,
0: right. Here. It's a clear line, clear, clearly defined. <laughs> and, and Amir Garrett drew it
1: <laughs> as he was as he was locking eyes with Rizzo.
0: Locked eyes, <laughs> bitch ass motherfucker. <laughs> and I'm just like. You know, I, I, there's, there's very few times in life where you can say that to somebody and there's no repercussions. <laughs> I'm going to tell, and for everybody out there listening, there's very few times that can happen.
1: And clearly, baseball field? Not one, Not one, of, one of them. <laughs> All right. With that life lesson, <laughs> I think we can wrap up the very first extra inning segment. How do you, do you like the name?
0: I like that. I like that. Yeah. Right. I think it'll stick. It'll stick.
1: Extra innings bringing you news. I guess bringing you thoughts beyond the news, something.
0: And and stuff. And stuff. If you, could add, you add and stuff to it, Bring it doesn't even matter what you said.
1: Extra innings, news and stuff. There you go. Nailed it. <laughs> Done deal.
0: <laughs> Done deal.
1: Oh, I think we're going to wrap on that. Thanks so much, Russ, for joining me. Thank you all for tuning in. This has been another edition of More Than a White Man's Game on the House of L Podcast Network, where you can also catch Sports Adjacent.
0: Yeah, you can. (laughs) Subscribe. Give it five stars and leave a review.
1: Absolutely. And thanks, Lawrence Holmes, our incredible producer. We'll see you next time. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app.